Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Hi there, I'm Monique. Thanks so much for joining me today. Wow, I, I hope all of you are really staying safe with all of the wild weather. Please take care of yourself wherever you're at in the world. If you've been listening over the last couple of months, I have been broadcasting weekly from Spain. And you probably also know I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. So I just returned last week to the U.S., back to Phoenix. And I had been out of this climate for two months. Uh, when I got off the plane, I walked into 117 degree heat. Uh, got an instant headache, which I had for two days, just because I had been out of the climate for so long. And, you know, it tells me the body definitely reacts to extreme climate. So be sure you're paying attention to your own body. And here is a fun fact about Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix actually has been hotter than Saudi Arabia. And I think that's just wild. I actually had to look that up and confirm it once I heard it. And it is true. We have been hotter than Saudi Arabia. So today, hopefully, we will distract you for an hour from the heat with a great guest who will help us understand more about artificial intelligence. I'm here today with Mark Hirschberg, author of The Career Toolkit. He's also an MIT instructor where he helped launch MIT's Career Success Accelerator. From tracking criminals on the dark web to creating new marketplaces and new authentication systems, Mark has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and in Fortune 500 companies. And you may remember, Mark was on this show last month where he shared some tips from his book, The Career Toolkit, about soft skills for leaders. Mark, welcome back. Well, thanks again for having me. Last time we talked about the professional development side of what I do, and today we're getting into the technical side because I'm a fractional CTO, CPO, and I've been building tech companies for years. So I'm excited to get to the other side of my work. Yeah, and I'm really glad you could come back on to talk about this topic. It is really causing a lot of controversy so, you know, and a lot of confusion. And can you just start us off by telling us exactly what is AI? AI is artificial intelligence. And this is a broad term for many different things. This is where some confusion comes in because we can be both talking about two completely different things when it comes to AI. So let's understand two dimensions of AI. First, most of us are using and talking about what's known as narrow AI. Narrow AI is purpose-built AI. And that's a robot that knows how to put a door on a car or a computer that knows how to play chess, but one doesn't know how to do the task of the other. When we think about that big, possibly scary or glorious future of AI, we think about what's known as general AI, and that's what we see in movies. Those are the robots and computers who can hold a conversation and act like humans. So general AI is what we're aspiring towards, where they can do anything we can do. But right now, all of our stuff is 
narrow AI. And we might be further away from general AI than people think. That's TBD. I'm guessing it's still a few decades for that. Now, there's also within AI, everyone's talking about LLMs right now, large language models like ChatGPT. But there's a whole bunch of other types of AI. And this includes expert systems, things that can diagnose problems. Robotics, we talked about machines. Learning to walk is actually a really complex problem for machines. There's fuzzy logic, there's computer vision, there's natural language processing and speech. That's what got developed over decades so we can now talk to those home voice interfaces to the internet. And then of course there's machine learning that we've been doing for a while and neural networks, LLMs are a type of neural network, but there's all these different aspects and they all have different pros and cons and use cases. So even though we progressed a lot over the decades with AI, we are still in what's called narrow AI. We haven't yet gotten to the general AI. That's right. We don't have those robots and AI that we see in movies, HAL 9000, the T9000, all of those that we see in the movies that can do kind of anything and hold conversations, but then drive a car or do something else we don't yet have general AI that can do all of that. They're still narrow and focused per task, which is fine for completing those tasks. So even the driverless vehicles, that is still considered narrow AI? Because if you start to ask a driverless vehicle, how do you think the stock market is going to be doing next year? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be able to answer. Hmm. Whereas okay. your cab driver can give you an opinion. Mm, I see. Okay. And why are the LLMs so popular? LLMs, this stands for large language models. This became very popular recently, and that's because of a relatively recent technological advancement. A few years ago, there was a paper that came out in 2017 about something called a transformer, not robot cars, as some of us grew up with, but it was a way that the systems could better process information. This allowed us to do what's known as unsupervised learning or learning with human feedback is really more akin to what it was doing. So let me give you an example. If you want to learn Japanese, probably you will sit in a classroom and have an instructor and the instructor will teach you Japanese and walk you through things. And that's very costly. You have to have an instructor there with you to teach you to pick up the language. If, however, I could just hand you a Japanese dictionary and say, look at this dictionary, just read it. Even though you know none of the characters to start, you just start reading it and suddenly it all makes sense once you're done. That's much more efficient. Now, this isn't exactly, those of you who are technical, this isn't exactly how it works. We didn't say read this and magically understood everything. But we went from really what was supervised learning, where we had to explain, here's a story, there's two characters, there's a Jack, there's a Jill, they're separate characters, and there's a hill where there's some water, and they want to go up, we're explaining step by step, to now we can just feed it the story. Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch a pail of water, and the system can just read that and say, I understand. Oh, I can tell you that Romeo and Juliet are in love, and they come from separate families after it read... Romeo and Juliet. So there was less supervision in the learning that accelerated our ability to train systems. 
And that's what let these get very powerful at lower cost than what we were able to do previously. So that's why LOMs really became very popular. And is that different from a search engine like Google? There are important fundamental differences. And it's funny, in a lot of the consulting I've done, I would get these questions thinking, oh, it's it's like a better version of Google. Well, they are different in very subtle, but important ways. Now, both of them can help you answer a question, but the knowledge they have and how they do it are different. A search engine works by looking across the entire public internet, and it does have generally the big ones like Bing and Google do generally have indexes on the entire internet. They will add new information daily. So if I put up a website today, a new website today, within 24 or 48 hours, they're going to find it and they will index it. There is a giant database of a search engine. So when you ask a question, when you put in search terms, it's going to say, given the key things, Jack and Jill, for example, I am going to go find relevant pages about Jack and Jill. And that's how it works. It looks at what is out there from other people and then says, here is what I think is the closest match to what you're looking for based on all the information I have as of seconds ago of what I've indexed. And it continually goes and re-indexes. So if a page gets updated, it can reparse it. This is different from an LOM. An LOM, let's actually take a moment and talk about the GPT in chat GPT. Let's understand what that is. It stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Transformer, that's a technical piece that helped it learn quickly. Pre-trained, it was trained before it went into production. So there's a date at which we said, it's done being trained, no more. We put in all the information, it's set. There are ways to do some post-training things called fine tuning, but for the most part, we fed it information. And if something new came out after that, it doesn't know about it. The other thing, it is generative, that G in ChatGPT. There is no database where it says, here's the closest match. In fact, everything it learned gets embedded into the neural network that underlines the LOM, underlies the LOM, excuse me. And it's through that that it generates an answer for you. It is, in some sense, some people have described it as autocomplete on steroids, and that's not inaccurate. If you ask a question, it's going to give you an answer, but one that generated. Now, because it has seen so much content, it's probably going to give you an answer you want. So for example, if you started to say, I want to end my story with, and they lived happily, how should I finish the sentence? It will probably say ever after, just as we would, because we've all seen that and it has seen it so many times. It is unlikely to say, and they all lived happily in a two bedroom condo in Miami. It could, human could come up with that, but it's unlikely to do that because it looks at the probability of what's seen before. But the key is that it will generate, it will create information and answers for you. So the knowledge that AI gains is based on knowledge that's already out there, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's learning. It's mm -hmm. learning, it sees the patterns 
and then probabilistically gives you an answer saying, given the question you ask, here's the most relevant words following certain grammatical rules, the most relevant words that I think will give you what you're looking for. But it generates something new each time. And in some of our previous conversations, you had mentioned something about hallucinations. Can you say a little bit about that? Here's the catch. It's going to generate this for you. And in fact, it will give you an answer whether it knows it or not. If you search for something on Google or Bing, it says, I've never seen this term before. I don't have anything to give you. I don't see any pages related to that. End of story. But ChatGPT will make something up. And this is where we can get into trouble. There's a famous case where the lawyer said, respond to this motion. And so ChatGPT said, well, how do people respond to motions in court? I know what that looks like. You say, dear judge, as of this date, based on what the other party said, it follows a format because most motions look similar. Now, at some point in the motion, you'll cite a prior case. And so ChatGPT, because it's generative, said, oh, I need to cite a case. Well, a case is name versus name. So let me make up a name versus and let me make up another name. And so it generated this case that didn't exist. And this is where there is that misunderstanding. The lawyer thought it was like the search engine saying, oh, find me the relevant case. But there's no database. It is generating things, which is fine if you maybe need a response to a request about how do I schedule a meeting and says, oh, here's how to schedule a meeting on our platform. That's not good when you're citing legal precedent. And so it will give you an answer. It just might not be a real one. So I see how that could be really dangerous because if you take it verbatim and just use the information you get, depending on what you need that information for, it could really get you into big trouble. That's exactly right. It is fine for if you have this system that's maybe chatbots are a big area and you're asking it about the company, about the return policy, probably it's going to get right. And if it gets it wrong, okay, you have an annoyed customer. But if we're doing medical advice, legal advice, financial advice, important things, it's probabilistic. It's not guaranteed to give you the right answer. And so you certainly need to have a human looking over its shoulder and making sure, no, no, this is not right. We have to correct that before we give it to the customer or before we use it in our own internal strategy. What do you see coming over the next few years? If we're still just in the narrow AI, like in the next one to two years, where do you think this is going? We are very early in this stage of AI. AI we've been working for since the 1950s. And famously, we always said, but in 10 years, it's going to get better. It definitely got better from 10 years ago in this one area but we're very early on the hype curve. And if you've ever seen, I think it's McKinsey's hype curve. It's someone, there's this curve that shoots way up. Everyone gets really excited. And then there's the valley of despair where we realize the hype isn't living up to reality. So I think we're still early on the hype curve. We will see improvements in these LOMs. We're seeing it at a very rapid pace. More importantly, we're going to see a lot of systems being developed around them. Right now, we can all log in and use ChatGPT, Bing, other versions. And there are some APIs, but they're rudimentary. 
So we're going to see more tooling developed. I mentioned earlier about training, what's known as fine tuning. So imagine you take an LOM and you say, now I want to train you on all the data my company has. We're gonna specialize you in this area. Right now, you still need technical people to make that happen. But what we'll see in the next few years is there will be tools developed so non-technical people can start to just say, here's a whole bunch of files, start to read this and fine tune yourself. And we're gonna just see better tooling to make it easier to integrate and use by both technical and non-technical people. And by the way, if you're looking to invest in the space, rather than trying to guess, okay, who is going to be the winner in the AI wars? Go invest in the shovel makers, because I think they're the ones who are going to stick around longer. Mm. Oh, you heard it, everyone. If you're going to invest, that's the way to go. We're going to pause here and take a quick break for a few commercials so that everyone can learn a little more about my other services. We've been talking about AI with Mark Hirschberg, MIT instructor and author of the Career Toolkit. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you ready to unlock your full potential as a leader? Look no further than MD Consulting. Monique Dagneau, executive coach, best-selling author, and captivating public speaker, is here to guide you towards transformational success. With a global reach, Monique empowers executive leaders and HR professionals through engaging presentations at conferences, team-building activities, and industry gatherings. Monique's mission is clear, to revolutionize workplace behavior. She achieves this not only by coaching a diverse clientele, but also by educating corporate leaders through both virtual and in-person events. Well, thank you so much for being here to help us understand. As a recognized subject matter expert, Monique delves into crucial topics such as psychological safety, onboarding strategies, effective training methods, and mastering time management skills. Now for a great topic that we're going to delve into. Ready to learn more? Request Monique's Speaker One Sheet or secure her for an engaging speaking engagement by sending an email to monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Don't miss this opportunity to elevate your leadership journey with Monique Daniel and MD Consulting. Unleash your potential today. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com or email monique at mdconsultingglobal.com to take the next step towards transformative leadership. MD Consulting, where success begins. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We have been talking about AI with my guest, Mark Hirschberg. Mark, let's talk a little bit about AI in the workplace. How soon do companies need to bring AI into the office? You really need to start thinking about today if you haven't already. If you think back to the 90s, when the World Wide Web started to become commonplace, you didn't need to have a website, but the companies that had a website in 1995, 96, 97, were gaining an advantage over those who didn't. And so what's happening right now is companies are starting to experiment with AI, even if you're not, your competitors are. And that's going to give them potentially, depending on your field, certain operational advantages that can be a differentiator. They might therefore be able to create a lower cost structure or an advantage in marketing or other things that are going to outcompete you. Now, if they're not doing that, great. This is your chance to bring in AI to outcompete them. But assume your competitors are starting to look into this. And so you need to start looking into it today. How would a company use AI? Can you give some examples? It is varied. And we're going to talk about, I'll talk at a high level and then a more detailed level. We see AI applied to all sorts of areas. Now we're talking generally about the LOMs, about the generative pre-trained transformers, this generous stuff. Again, there's other areas of AI, machine vision, fuzzy logic, look into those machine learning is an area that's very common especially for companies with large data sets to have the machine learning start to optimize on that but focus primarily on lms right now in my answer here this can create content and summarize content so here's just a couple of the different areas and ways you can use it marketing generating images generating content and copy this is probably the most prominent case in technology it's great remember we said it's kind of like autocomplete and so engineers are using it for help with effectively autocomplete on a larger scale of coding it's especially useful for someone like me i am early in my career i was coding 50 hours a week i knew what i was doing all the time i knew the tools i was using now, I don't really get into code that much, but if I do, trying to remember what's the name of that library or how do I format this, I've got this tool with me that says, oh, Mark, I know that. Let me fill that in for you. And so it makes me much more efficient. Chatbots, we mentioned, that's a huge area. Some general areas all companies can use, summarizing meetings. So for example, we have lots of Zoom meetings. We can get transcripts of those you can have an LOM look through that transcript and say, give us a summary. What are the key takeaways? What are the action items? It can generate that email and send it to you. But of course, here's the catch. We said it's probabilistic. It has some hallucinations. It's not 100%. So if it generates that summary email and says, here are the three action items, there may have been a fourth. It's not guaranteed it will get every action item. So you may need to double check, or you might just say, well, 
this isn't super critical. So if it missed one of the action items, that's okay. But if it is, again, we need to double check it. So those are just some examples. But really, when you think about how you might use it, and we'll talk about how companies can bring it in, but you individually, we gave some general ideas. It's important to break it down at the task level. It's not about, can an engineer use this? Can a marketing person use this? Because your role might be different than someone else with a similar title. Really, what you want to do is get down to the individual tasks that you do. And those tasks might be, I have to send a weekly report. I have to read and analyze certain things. I need to respond to emails. I need to respond to customers. I need to create X, Y, and Z. Really break down the specific tasks you do. If you had to come up with a list of every part of your job, create that list. And then you go through those tasks and say, oh, generate new things here. Maybe LOMs can help me there. There might be another area, for example, put on a monthly conference where you say, oh, well, I don't think this can help me maybe put on the conference. Might help me come up with ideas for it, but it can't necessarily do that. So we're going to see some tasks where it's very helpful, others where it's not, and that's okay, but you have to get to the task level. One other area that's very common is phrasing and rewording. And this we can all do because we all communicate with others. So here's a simple example. How many of us have ever fired off an email in anger? And maybe you know not to do that. And we say, well, okay, I don't want to press send yet. I'll give it 10 minutes. But we're still, it's hard not to have that emotion in it. And so what's great is you can say to an LOM, here's an email. Please rephrase this to be less angry or more polite or more differential. Or I want this rewritten so it sounds more like I'm proposing a partnership instead of commanding. So we can have it help our communications and adjust it. You could even try rephrase this. I'm an engineer. Rephrase this so it sounds more like someone in finance because I'm writing to people in finance. So most of us, because communication is something we do, we can use LOMs to help reorient and be more effective in our communications. And from what you just said, I can see how this could be helpful, for example, for a busy executive. Um, a lot of my clients come to me, they facilitate their own meetings, they're expected to take their own meeting minutes, and that's one thing they hate doing and they don't have time for, and it falls through the cracks. So these busy executives that have too much on their plate, I can see how they could benefit from a, you know, a system that takes the notes for them that, you know, print that has the transcripts and maybe there's a couple little errors in there, but it's still saving that busy executive time from having to transcribe all those notes and things like that. So what are the risks and issues though, that companies need to consider? Because I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of negatives to this too. There are absolutely risks. First, as we've mentioned before, there's correctness. If you need something to be absolutely positively accurate, you better double check the output of the LOMs. Next, there are cybersecurity issues. Now, the initial issues were when you are sending this to the LOM on a third party, 
the information is going to third parties. So if you're saying, hey, my client has these needs, you know, this is Bob and Bob wants to do the following. Well, now this third party system has a record of what Bob is interested in doing. So there are client confidentiality issues. Those are starting to be addressed. In fact, I believe Microsoft announced the other day, they are changing up their integration of the LOM with their systems so that it's only done locally. It doesn't send the information to their servers. Even so, there are potential cybersecurity issues with the information in the system and who can access it. I mentioned fine tuning. And so fine tuning, again, this is where you take a general LOM, but you do some additional training with proprietary data. So imagine you might say, take 20 years of emails at my company or things on our internal document server, dump it in, train up the LOM, proprietary information, and now great, anyone at the company can ask questions and this knows 20 years of things we have learned. That's great, but if those emails or documents include certain things that are maybe more confidential, if you're a, let's say tax accounting firm, all sorts of information might be there on the tax accounting laws. Fantastic, you want that. But what about those HR documents with people's performance reviews or how they think about giving bonuses? Because if that's baked into the training, could people start to peer into it by asking the right queries? What do you think of Jennifer's prospects for promotion? And if that was discussed in email, that might be part of the training. That's a bit of a contrived example, but that's the type of things that can start to leak out. So we have to be very careful there. And then we have IP issues. Now I am not a legal expert. Here is my understanding. Double check this with a lawyer. Information, images and text generated by these systems are not protected by copyright. I can tell an LOM generate for me a 2000 word story on this topic, it will generate it. That is not protected by copyright. Interestingly, I know, I believe it's a sci-fi magazine. They had to turn off accepting submissions because as soon as one of the systems became public, the number of submissions they got shot up by all these people saying, oh, here's my sci-fi story. So that's not protected. Likewise, images generated by this are generally not going to be protected. In fact, in some of the talks I do at corporations for AI, I actually use images and I say, and these images, I just had LOMs create them for me, but of course they're not copyrighted. You can take these images, I can't stop you. It gets a little more subtle. What happens when the LOM is using my content? And there's lots of lawsuits right now from actors, comedians, authors, or saying, you trained up on my content and now you're competing with me. We saw, for example, that people who do translation, foreign language translation, they would often on their websites give examples. Oh, here's a passage I translated from one language to another. Well, that got picked up by some of the large systems out there and used to train them. And now these translators who are just sharing examples have those examples train up their competition train up the software that, gee, do I really need to pay a translator $80 an hour? I can get something good enough out of these software systems. Thanks for training them up. So they undercut their futures. And we're seeing lots of concerns from people on that as well. There's legal issues on that. 
there's even legal issues. If I said, take these three characters, trademark characters, and do some type of mashup with them. Well, it's kind of derivative. At what point is that innovative and new versus derivative from what is someone's IP? And so there's a lot of subtlety around IP issues that will probably be in the courts for a couple of years to come. And you do technical consulting in companies around this whole issue of AI. So when you go into companies, tell us a little bit about that. You have to keep all of these things in mind when you are working with companies, right? I do indeed. So I go into companies, either long-term engagements lately for AI in particular, I've had shorter term engagements where they've said, please help us think through our AI strategy or get some AI implemented in our company. What do we need? How do we do it? So I've been doing more of that. Sometimes it's just one-off, shorter kind of week-long strategic consulting. And it really comes down to, we mentioned when it comes down to your job, break it down to those specific tasks and then understand which ones AI can optimize. Likewise, at a company, you want to look not just, well, we're type X, we're a marketing company, we're a law firm, what can AI do? Let's get more specific. What are you doing? What are the tasks you do to generate value? And which of those can use AI? And let me give you just a general framework. If you're trying to think, how do I get started with this? Here's a general framework you can use. First, create a trial board. Don't just turn this loose because you do have some of these issues. And you say, wait, we do have proprietary data. Or, well, we're a t-shirt manufacturing company. There's not a lot of proprietary customer data here. So figure out what the boundaries are. Figure out the guidelines you want to give your team as they do this. So start with that trial board. We have people from different departments coming together and just setting those boundaries. They'll also make sure anything that goes out, what's the process before anything's external? Because again, we know these things could have some bumps along the way. Next, you want to do very basic training, just saying, here's what the system is conceptually. Here's how to log in and access it. But you want to keep it very basic. You don't want to say, and here's an example of how you can use it because you don't want to bias people. Next, you want to give them dedicated time. Don't just say, play with it. Say, literally, your job, we want you to spend X hours over the next two weeks. And I'd recommend somewhere around six to 10 hours over two weeks. This will eat into their other work. You say, no, this is important. We want you to do it. Just like when you do company all-hand meetings, it's important for the long-term. Say, spend a little time, play around with it, do whatever you want. The rules the AI board may have set is don't send anything external without approval from your manager, but play around with it internally. Try these things. Try using it to respond to your boss instead of you typing the email or however you want to use it. And make notes. How have you found it useful or not useful? Then feed those results back to that AI board. And now you have lots of these tiny experiments all across your company and you can start to see where does it seem to be useful or not useful. Given that, you can then propose, here's what we want to do. We do want to roll this out for a marketing department, but not our HR department or whatever is appropriate. And it will be used by marketing. We recommend these ways. So you can do this internal experiment at very low cost to start to see where it might be applicable to your business. 
That's a really great framework for people to use if they aren't able to have a consultant such as yourself come in and help implement this. If you've just tuned in, we're here with Mark Hirschberg talking about AI in the workplace. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about AI's impact on jobs. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, executive coach Monique Dagneau provides executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge, with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks so much for tuning in today and also for tuning into past episodes. We are now being listened to in 15 other countries in addition to the United States. So thank you so much for your loyalty and for passing this show on to others to listen to. We're back with Mark Hirschberg talking about AI in the workplace. Mark, there's a lot of talk and and fear about AI disrupting jobs. What are we likely to see going forward? There's going to be a lot of volatility. We see throughout history, technology has replaced jobs. In fact, the reason you and I can have this conversation is because 200 some years ago, we invented improvements in farming technology. So most of us didn't have to be living on farms in order to keep our families fed. And we have fewer farmers today, so you and I can do things like this. Time and time again, technology removes jobs and it creates new jobs. 
Now, overall society is better for this. We're better that we're not mostly farmers because now we have more scientists, we have more hosts and leadership coaches and all the other industry we've created. But for the people who lose their jobs, that can be disheartening. If you were a milkman, an elevator operator, a toll booth, toll booth collector, you were not having a good time. Even though society as a whole is better off that we've replaced that job, the people in those jobs were not happy about it. What we've seen is that typically the job changes. When we look at toll booth collectors, yeah, they got replaced, but there weren't very many of them. And we could have them find other jobs. The risk here is that the pace and breadth of change is going to be unparalleled. The number of people impacted, which is tens of millions, hundreds of millions of jobs, depending on whose estimate you're using, and it will happen in such a short period of time that we're going to have widespread displacement where it's not just, well, I can't be a toll booth collector, maybe I could go work at Walmart. There's just not going to be enough jobs. We do know new jobs will come. All those jobs, the people who would have been farmers and milkmen, they do have new jobs today. They have different jobs. People didn't go into those fields. But the new jobs, my personal worry is that the new jobs are going to come even if just a few years after the old jobs were lost, we're going to see massive unemployment and this is going to cause some problems. But don't fear if it's coming for part of your job. This is what's most likely happening. So let's take travel agents as an example. You and I are probably old enough to remember the days where you would pick up the phone, call a travel agent and say, well, I'm looking for flights from this city to that city. What are my options? List out some times, list out some prices. And now, of course, we can do that online. So much better for us. And we remove the part of the travel agent's job that was reading off a screen over a phone. And so there was less work for those travel agents because less people needed that. But travel agents didn't completely go away. They moved up in terms of the service they provide. I don't need to use a travel agent to book a flight from New York to San Francisco. But if I am trying to plan a family adventure vacation across multiple countries in Europe, a travel agent who has expertise, who has access to more advanced systems, can help me plan that type of thing. And so travel agents went from just being this rote, let me read off information and you tell me what you want, to more sophisticated, more advanced services. And that we're going to see in lots of our jobs, we can move up the value chain as AI automation removes the lower value, more rote tasks that we do. How do you think AI is intertwined with the SAG strike that's going on right now? This is one of the biggest issue for SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, and WGA, the Writers Guild of America. This is, they've noted, an existential threat for them. Because if in the coming years, and this is not the only issue, by the way, there are other issues that are important, but if in the coming years, the studios can use artificial intelligence to create an image of you, to create your voice, to create backgrounds, you don't need actors. And by the way, it's not just actors. Now you don't need the makeup people. Now you don't need the set designers because just stick them in front of a green screen. A lot of people, not just the actors, are going to be in trouble. 
I unfortunately, I have a lot of friends who are in SAG and I am a fan of unions. I think this is going to be a challenge. In the short term, they will probably win simply because when you have a strike like this, it's a question of who blinks first. And it usually comes down to who can last longer financially. The studios are just looking at their projections and saying, we have some holes in our projections the next few years because we have nothing coming out. The actors, they don't have a war chest like other union funds, but actors, most of the members of SAG are people very used to going long periods without making money from acting. There's the classic waiter, but there's other jobs they do. So they can probably outlast the studios. I think in the short term, they'll win. Unfortunately, in the long term, if we look at history, time and again, technology cannot be held back indefinitely. There might be periods where we slow it down, but technology that has a significant cost advantage eventually gets implemented and it puts people out of those jobs. And I fear maybe not in the next five years, maybe not with this contract, but at some point, 15 to 30 years from now, acting as a profession and the related professions are going to take a serious hit. Well, how can people protect their careers then, given you know what you've just said, whether they're an actor or they have some other type of profession, how do they protect their careers against this? As we mentioned in the last segment, you need to look at your role and potentially the roles you're going to have down the road, the jobs you hope to get with the promotions or future roles, break it down into those tasks and again, look at where AI might be able to automate away some of your work, but not other work. And if you're not sure how to do this, obviously you can try to look online. You can try to ask LOM, see what they think about that. <laughs> you can bring in experts like myself and get our input on it. But you want to really look at these and say, well, here's the parts of my job that are going to go away. Those travel agents say, well, if I'm just reading off the screen, there's not going to be a lot of demand for that. But creating nice travel packages, oh, that I can do. That's not going to go away. So look at the parts of your current job and future jobs that won't be automated away. What are the skills and knowledge and experience you need to execute on those? Because that's what's going to make you competitive. That's what's going to keep you around to continue to work with AI in your roles but you want to be strategic in the skills you develop. How do companies as a whole stay abreast of all these changes? Because you mentioned in the first segment that we're still in the, the narrow AI right now. We haven't even ventured into the general AI, and that's going to be obviously happening in the future. So how can companies predict you know, what's going to come? This is strategic, so you do want to keep an eye on it. Obviously, you would like to have some tech people who really understand what this means and how to use it in there, but don't just have tech people. And I say this as someone who was an engineer who works as a CTO, but also a CPO, because engineers, we very much get into, well, here's the technology and have this narrow view of it. You do want perspectives from finance, HR, sales, marketing. So as you learn more about the upcoming technologies and advances in it, they can start to think how it might work. So have a strategic group within your organization. 
if you're small and don't have a strategic group, or even if you're large and have one, be sure to be in conversations with people in your industry. And how are other people looking at it? If you're part of a trade group, you should be putting out content to help your members learn about how to navigate this. And if you're big enough and you feel this is important enough, consultants like myself who can go in and help you work through some of this strategy. But even if you don't want to bring in consultants, definitely do be paying attention to this on your own internally, but with trade groups and with others in your industry, you cannot ignore this. And what about at a more granular level, like at a team level? So leaders are running these teams and their direct reports are afraid. There's just a lot of fear that jobs are gonna be lost. What can leaders do to either help calm the fears of their team or help prepare the people on their team? Great question. You want to think more about the travel industry than the toll booth industry, because you're right that everyone is saying, wait a second, you no longer need all of us. Classic example, if you've got a marketing team and they're all writing copy for different ads, say, wait a second, LLMs can produce copy much faster, maybe even come up with some better things. I no, no, no longer need four people doing this. I can get away with one person. Oh, good. I can cut three people. And that's what they're worried about. But if you say, look, for three of you, your job as you know it is not going to be the same but you have knowledge of the company, knowledge of the industry, you have connections, you understand how our business works. Now let's find the higher value things. Now that you're no longer tied up writing copy all the time, now you're no longer tied up with these roadcasts, what are the higher level, more value adding services you can do internally for the company or externally for our customers? So when you go through this, Make sure you're clear to people saying, we are going to use this to gain an economic advantage, but we're not just going to cast you out. We are going to take the great skills you have, retrain you and find better applications where you provide more value to the business. That will excite your employees. That will move them from fear. Oh my God, I might lose my job to I'm going to grow and advance and do even more important things. And that's a win for everyone. And when you go into companies, do you take that into consideration too? Like, do you go in and just implement the AI or do you also help them think about this other side of it, like how to salvage their employees' jobs? This is part of our conversation from even the first meeting we have where I say, it's not just about throwing technology, get rid of people, because that will create chaos. People will start running from the project. They'll start sabotaging the project. They won't want to help out. Even if it's not going to take away their jobs, they might think it will and resumes start getting printed and sent out. So you need as an executive, as a leader, you need to make it very clear to say, here's what's happening. Here's the transparency that yes, there will be changes, but we are also here to support you throughout. Ask us questions, talk to us, don't act out of fear. And we're going to show you what we're doing. We might not know what the end state looks like exactly, but it's not just going to be, we're going to toss a bunch of you out. We're going to find other ways to make use of your skills and even upskill you to make use in new ways. How can our listeners find out more about your work and reach out to you if they want to? There's a couple places you can find me. LinkedIn, of course, is one. 
but easiest might be going to my book's website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. Now, that's for a lot of professional skills. In fact, skills that are really important for adding value down the road. But on that website, there's a contact form. You can find articles. I put articles out every week, including a number of them on some of the topics that we discussed today and how AI is going to impact our jobs and our companies. I also do a lot more technically. And so if you look at my LinkedIn profile, that's oriented more to the technology consulting I do as opposed to professional skills at thecareertoolkitbook.com. But reach out to me on either platform. I'm happy to speak with you about what's happening in the industry and see if I can be of service to you or your organization. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. My guest today has been Mark Hirschberg. Mark, thanks so much for being here. As always, everyone can jump over to my website at mdconsultingglobal.com, and there you can sign up for my blog. You can connect with me on social media, and there's a resource page there with a lot of free downloadable resources that'll help you lead better in the workplace. We will talk again next week. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.